Good morning. It is great to be with you this morning. We are here this morning, and you are watching on your TV, on your iPad, on your iPhone, and we are together lifting up the beautiful, the wonderful, and the powerful name of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are gathered together this morning to lift up your name. And we do proclaim that it is a beautiful name, that it is a wonderful name, that it is a powerful name. And Lord, we admit that we need you and your beautiful, wonderful, powerful name. Times are difficult. We are in trying and difficult times in our nation, in this state, in our city. And Lord, we recognize that we need you. We recognize, Jesus, that you are the solution. So we pray that you would be present here in the sanctuary of Calvary Church. We pray, Lord, that you would be present in people's homes. Lord, wherever people may be watching, we pray, Lord, that you would be present. And Lord, that you would do what only you can do that you would transform hearts and minds and conform each one of us to the image, to your image. Jesus, we pray this, we desire this, we want this in our lives. Speak to us today, change us, and we will give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This morning... We have a video that we put together this week that we'd like to share with you. And I believe that this video gives us some insight on what it means to be gentle and what it means to be peaceable. Maybe especially in the times that we're living in. And we thought that it would be helpful to have another voice. So I asked my friend, Artie Lindsay, the teaching pastor at Tabernacle Community, to give us some of his insights. He's not only my friend, he's a friend of Calvary Church. And maybe most importantly, he's a brother in Christ. Listen to what Artie has to say. And take it in, and I think that all of us can learn something from maybe someone who has a bit of a different perspective than some of us have. Take a look at this video. Well, good morning, Calvary Church. My name is Clarence Stamps, and I'm a pastoral resident here. And I have the great opportunity to sit down and have a discussion um, with a good friend of mine and a mentor, um, Pastor Artie Lindsay. Um, Artie is the teaching pastor at Tabernacle Community Church here at Grand, in Grand Rapids. And we just have an opportunity to sit down and discuss how God is at work in our world and how we can seek to be gentle and peaceable and even loving in the difficult times we are currently navigating through. Um, so Artie, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, sitting down with me and talking about these issues. It's great to have you today. It's great to be here. Thanks, Clarence. I'm so grateful to Tom for the invitation to be a part of this uh, opportunity. Great. So before we kind of really dive in a little bit, I just want to just ask you, you know, as a friend, as a ministry partner, personally and as a ministry leader, how are you navigating through these difficult, difficult times we're in? So it's been a challenging couple weeks, Clarence. Um, just want to let you know that uh, I've been struggling, I've been uh, frustrated, angry, and just uh, overwhelmed at times by, by what's, what's happening, and exhausted by the reality that this continues to happen in our culture, um, and just really desiring change. And I think so many of us are desiring change in one way, shape, or form, 
And um, this word justice is one of the ways in which we're seeking change, and it's a word that's been used a lot um, without context, without really desire or emphasis as to what that exactly means. So in your mind, in your estimation, what is, what is justice? So my understanding of, of justice um, comes from scripture, it's sure. biblical, biblical justice, and it's this idea of wholeness, mm. um, the wholeness of individuals, the wholeness of community, uh, the wholeness of the planet. Um, and justice really is the other side of shalom, the other side of the coin when, when we think about shalom, and that's the peace of God. Um, justice is this idea of setting things right. Sure. Um, and that's what Jesus is engaged in in the world today. Here at Calvary, we've been in a teaching series in Titus. We're in our last little part of our mini series on a new life. Hmm. And last week we talked about what it looks like to be gentle. And uh, this week we're talking about what it looks like to be peaceable um, in our current society. And really those are terms in which our culture has identified and adopted as being weaker or passive. Hmm. Where in a sense justice, in the same way in our culture, has deemed as something to be um, in a place of power that you have to achieve. So in light of justice and in light of things needing to change, how do we go about being peaceable and gentle when it appears those are weaker or passive traits? When, when I look at uh, peaceable and gentle, I don't see weakness. Mm. Um, when, when scripture talks about Jesus, it talks about him as meek and humble. And Jesus was anything but, but weak, mm. anything but passive. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we see Jesus uh, addressing mm. systems and issues uh, in the culture in very profound and active ways. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I believe Jesus came to, to set things right, to set uh, culture and society back in order. And, and in his teaching to his disciples on how to pray, he uses this phrase, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, uh, that God's name was to be hallowed. This was a direct attack against the political right. system where um, Caesar's name was to be hallowed. And Jesus says no other name should be hallowed except God's name. And so um, I don't see these words as, as weak or passive mm -hmm. uh, because when I look at Jesus, I see him uh, being everything but, but weak and passive. Wow, and that's definitely an encouragement to us as we seek to take on those characteristic traits that uh, Jesus exhibited. Kind of broadening a little bit and looking at the totality of 2020 so far, like the last six months have been extremely crazy. Again, dealing with the injustice and the death of so many of our African-American brothers, um, even realizing that we're still in the midst of COVID-19 and navigating mm -hmm. through what that looks like. So realizing that we can have people on op opposite sides of the spectrum in relation to both those issues, mm -hmm. how do we seek to be peaceable and even gentle in our interactions with others in these times? Yeah. Great question. Um, I, I jotted down a few things that I think um, can be helpful to people. We have to be slow to judge. Mm. We have to be slow to judge. It's so easy to quickly take sides on, on an issue. And so I'm, I'm challenging people to be slow to judge, to be quick to listen, mm. to be eager to learn, mm. to be willing to identify, and to be ready to speak up. Um, that we need to be slow to judge, we need to be quick to listen, we need to hear the uh, expressions and the opinions of others. Sure. We need to be willing to hear how people are feeling 
and allow opportunities for people to share yeah. and express. We need to be eager to learn. Google is our friend. Uh, <laughs> there is so much information out there for us to learn about mm -hmm. and to be able to equip ourselves to better understand the issues that are going on in our culture mm -hmm. that have been going on for a long time and be willing to identify. Uh, Calvary is my family. Mm -hmm. And um, although I'm a person of African-American descent, I have white brothers, Hispanic brothers and sisters, yeah. uh, people from all nations the scripture speaks of. And we have to be willing to identify with one another, uh, despite the fact it may not be our experience. Mm. And then finally, we must be ready to speak up. Mm. We have to be ready to stand and be a voice for those who are voiceless. Wow, definitely, definitely. So realizing that we're seeking to be gentle, we're seeking to be peaceable, um, not just now in a time of crisis and pandemic, but this is a daily reality that we really want to be image bearers. If we really want to see effective change in our culture and our society, that these are characteristics that we really need to place on on a daily basis. So I'm curious to know what you are doing, what Tabernacle Community Church is doing to live out this reality daily of being peaceable and gentle. So one of the uh, main things I think uh, Tabernacle is doing is uh, two key words in our mission statement, influence and impact. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking to influence the culture and we're looking to impact the city. Mm. And so as we look at those things, we've identified uh, what scripture calls the sadiq, the, the, the just ones. Mm. Uh, that same word that's used for justice and righteousness, um, that people are trying to embody that and learn in their various spaces of influence mm -hmm. how to embody and express that. Uh, we're also involved in partnerships uh, throughout the city, our nonprofit organization, Grand Rapids Nehemiah Project, mm -hmm. uh, and the work that's being done with its partners here in the city, uh, seeking to join the work mm -hmm. of rebuilding and restoring our city so that all people will flourish in our community. Um, and we're engaging in, in seeing impact and giving you know, new opportunities to people who are typically marginalized, sure. impacting the planet, profit, purpose, and people uh, in a variety of ways. That's awesome, that's awesome. So what encouragement do you have for us as a Calvary family, a localized body, as we seek to live out this daily reality of being peaceable and gentle? Well, it's those, those uh, five, five ideas that I lifted before you. Be slow to judge, quick to listen, eager to learn, mm -hmm. willing to identify, and ready to speak up. Uh, I think we have an opportunity, a unique opportunity, to do something that only the Church of Jesus Christ is uniquely equipped and empowered to do. Mm -hmm. And that is to, adjust, to, to address the issue of injustice mm -hmm. in our culture, mm -hmm in a way that is both, both peaceable and gentle. Mm. The culture tries to address the issue sure. uh, through violence, yeah. um, and we have an opportunity to show the world who Jesus is uh, through our good works um, and glorify our Father which is in heaven by standing and representing him in a way and pushing against the darkness in a way that is both peaceable and gentle. Um, we, get a, we get an opportunity to point people to Jesus in a way like nobody else can. That's awesome. And just in light of the news and everything that I'm seeing and just witnessed and have read, um, I'm extremely encouraged and challenged and even convicted um, by our time and our discussion to really 
go out and to be gentle and to be peaceable and to seek out um, the justice in which God really desires for us to have. Um, so again, I want to thank you for taking your time to talk and discuss. And, and Calvary, I pray that you were encouraged, um, challenged, and even convicted yourselves to, to be gentle and to be peaceable and to seek out this wholeness and this justice that God desires for us to have. A special thank you to Artie and to Clarence for making that video for us. We are certainly living in a time when the brokenness and sin of this world and of man is on full display. Not only the fear and the anger that has surfaced as a result of COVID-19, but now we see also clearly the violence, the brutality, and the racism that has actually always been present in the human condition. These are serious problems. They're serious problems, but they're serious problems that have a solution. And the solution has been the same. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is a solution. It's Jesus. Jesus is the solution to the problems we are facing in our nation, in our state, and in our world. Now, I know it sounds like a simple Sunday school answer, but it's not. You see, the reality that is that only true change, true change can only come in a person when Jesus transforms their heart. The only way that we will be able to experience real, lasting change is by Jesus transforming our hearts. You see, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to be different and distinct from the world around us that doesn't know Jesus. We're not supposed to be full of fear. We're not supposed to be angry or divisive. We're not supposed to be violent or brutal. We're not to be filled with prejudice. You see, Jesus, when we receive him, comes into our heart and changes our heart and gives us new life, a new life that demonstrates new character. And that's what we've been looking at as a church in this study, in this mini-series that we've been doing on a new life. Two weeks ago, Jim talked about being obedient to God. Last week, Mark shared with us that as followers of Jesus, we're called to be gentle. Today, we're going to look at Jesus' call to peace. Jesus' instruction to you and to me to be peaceable. We're called to be people who promote peace. And remember, God picked this topic for today months and months ago. So if you would, would you please take your Bible and turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. We're continuing our study in the book of Titus. We're continuing to look at what a new life in Jesus looks like. But first, I feel compelled to say that if you want to be at peace with other people, you first have to be at peace with God. You're never going to experience peace yourself 
and you're never going to be able to share peace with other people unless you are first at peace with God. And to be at peace with God, you have to accept his terms of peace. His terms of peace mean that you have to believe that Jesus Christ is his son that Jesus Christ is the one and only mediator between God and man. You have to believe that Jesus came to earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins, and we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But you believe that Jesus died on that cross so that you can receive forgiveness and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead so that you can have life a life that is full of peace, a peace that you can then share with the people around you. Titus 3, beginning in verse 1. This is God's instruction to followers of Jesus. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. See the instruction there? It's tucked into verse 2. To be peaceable. It does not say to be angry or to be divisive. It does not say to be violent or to be brutal. It says to be peaceable. When you are in Christ, when you believe in Jesus, this new life means that you are to be peaceable. It means that when people describe you, they should describe you as being a peaceable person. Is that the way that people describe you? Now, before we dig further into this instruction to be peaceable, it's important that we understand the Bible's concept of peace. What does the Bible mean when it speaks of peace? Well, the ancient Hebrew concept of peace is wrapped up in the word shalom. And shalom meant wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, and prosperity. Today in modern-day Israel, when people greet you or say goodbye, they often say shalom. And it means more than just hello or goodbye. It has much more meaning packed into it. It's in fact saying, may you experience wellness, may you experience wholeness, may you experience safety, may you experience prosperity. You see, there is a complete fullness to the concept of peace in Scripture, to shalom. And I think before we move on, it's important that we have a better understanding of this concept of peace, of this shalom that's peppered throughout Scripture. So I want to run you through a number of passages to help us understand a bit better. First, the peace that God gives is referenced in a blessing from Numbers chapter 6. Beginning in verse 22, look what it says. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, give you shalom, wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, and prosperity. And then there's a promise given of the coming eternal peace 
in an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. It's a prediction that was written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Shalom. Of the greatest of his government, in peace there shall be no end. Then we read the words of Jesus himself and his promise of peace from John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace, shalom, I leave with you. My peace, my shalom, I give to you. Jesus says, I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And finally, Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, that Jesus has forgiven our sins and restored us to a place of peace, to a place of shalom with God. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace, we have shalom with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You see, this is the peace, this is the shalom that God offers. It's a peace of mind and of spirit. It's wholeness, completeness, health, safety, and prosperity. This is what I was saying earlier. When you believe and you call upon the name of Jesus and you trust in him, this is the place, this is the shalom that you receive and that you are then able to share with others. You're then able to be peaceable with others. But this instruction is not just found in our text for this morning from Titus chapter 3. We've seen that it's found other places in Scripture, and there's specific additional instruction that's found in Romans chapter 12. So take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. Here in Romans chapter 12, Paul writes essentially the same thing that he's written in Titus. It's particularly, it's especially noted in Romans 12, verse 18. We're going to start at verse 14. Because starting at verse 14 provides us more context and clarity on what a new life in Christ is supposed to look like. Listen to Paul's instruction considering all that is going on in the world around us. And as I'm reading this, ask yourself if it describes you. Romans 12, beginning in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And now our verse to focus upon. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace 
with everyone. In Titus chapter 3, Paul instructs us to be peaceable. And here in Romans 12, he does it again, but he uses different language. He writes, live at peace with everyone. God's instruction is clear. To be peaceable means to live at peace with everyone. And just to be clear, this is not God's suggestion to you. It's not just God's suggestion to me. This is God's command. We are to be peaceable people. We're clearly called to be peaceable, but we need to be clear in the understanding of what it means to be peaceable. You see, the Greek word that is used here, that is translated for us, peaceable, is a word that speaks primarily to our attitude in times of conflict. What is your attitude in times of conflict? To be peaceable means, it literally means that you are to have an attitude. It's not fighting, uncontentious, and non-combatant. To be peaceable means that you're not fighting. You're uncontentious. You're non-combative. For the past few weeks, I've been uh, making calls to Calvary people to discuss our pace of getting back to worship here in the sanctuary. There's a number of people that have written to the church, to me, concerned with our pace of getting back to worshiping here in the sanctuary. So I've been trying to call the people that have been expressing these concerns. There's some people that think we're moving too slow. There's other people that think we're moving too fast. And I've had a number of interesting, a number of really good conversations with people. Well, there was one conversation I had a number of weeks ago uh, where I expressed our kind of plan and the process that we're going through as we move forward uh, in coming back to worship here in the sanctuary. And as I was explaining, uh, the person I was talking to just became more and more heated, more and more upset. And so he expressed some of his concerns in a heated and kind of upset kind of way. And I responded, I said, you know, I said, do you understand that there are people, there are other people that have a completely different view than you do? They're 180 degrees on the other side of this issue, and, and they, have many, they have many good points that they're making as well. His response, oh yeah, I know, I just like to argue. Does that describe you? Do you just like to argue? Do you just like to be the contrarian who disagrees with whatever somebody says or whatever somebody does? Do you just like to be that person who gets under somebody's skin? You see, what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that's a problem. And you need to stop it. You need to stop arguing. You need to stop being angry. You need to stop being the contrarian. And trust me, I know these, I know these instructions. I used to practice law. Jesus is saying, stop it. Stop being angry. Instead, be peaceable. But notice, notice how Romans 12, verse 8, look at well, it's what it says. You see, there's a recognition here that with some people, 
It's difficult. It may be even impossible to be peaceable. Look what Paul writes. Verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So it may not be possible to get along with everyone. God understands that relationships are two-way streets. In some cases, there is only so much that we can do. We cannot change the hearts of others. And God does not expect us to change the hearts of others. And we need to come to understand that everyone is not going to like us. Everyone is not going to like you. Surprise! There are going to be some people, no matter what you do or what you say, are just not going to like you. There are going to be some people, no matter what actions you take, are going to try to oppose you, even if you go the extra mile for them. That's the reality. But the reality is not an excuse for you and for me to argue or to be angry or to fight back. Because our instruction is to live at peace with others. Jesus says to you and he says to me, he instructs us to be peaceable. Peaceable in times of conflict and outside of times of conflict. But I also believe that this allows for righteous anger. Although we're called to be peaceable, that does not mean that we should not pursue justice when there are acts of prejudice and racism. We should be people as followers of Jesus who pursue justice, who speak out against acts of racism and acts of prejudice. It also means that we should be people who speak out against riots and looting. Riots and looting, they are wrong. And we need to be people as followers of Jesus Christ who are peaceable, but speak out and stand for God's truth and God's justice. But in all of this, Remember what the verse says. As far as it depends upon you, do what you can to live peaceably with others. We cannot force others to live at peace with us. God knows this. He understands this. But we have to remember that God is at work. God is living. He is moving. And he is active it's God's job to change people's hearts. It's God's job to reveal his truth to other people. It's not your job. It's God's job to bring discipline into people's lives. It is God's job to avenge wrongs. That's not our job either. Your job and my job is to live peaceably, if at all possible, as far as it depends upon you, as far as it depends upon me, live at peace with everyone. Which brings us to the all-important question of how. How do we live at peace with others? This morning, I have two instructions for you. Two instructions on how we're to live at peace 
with others. First instruction, love your enemies. Yes, love your enemies. As followers of Jesus, to be peaceable people, we need to love our enemies. Musab Hassan Youssef grew up as a Muslim. He studied the Quran. He memorized the Quran. He did his daily prayers. He faithfully followed the way of Islam. Just like many young men living in Palestine, with one important exception. Yusuf's father was one of the founders of Hamas. Yusuf was not a likely convert to following Jesus. But God had different plans. One day, a man gave Yusuf a New Testament. And because of Yusuf's natural curiosity towards religion, Yusuf decided to read the New Testament for himself. And he began in the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And he began to read for himself. And when he came to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, when he was able to read unfiltered Jesus, there was one point that stood out above all others to Yusuf. When he came to the Sermon on the Mount, when he came to Matthew chapter 5, this is what he read. You have heard it s- that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Yusuf read these unfiltered words of Jesus where Jesus proclaims these three powerful words, love your enemies. It was the message that Yusuf had been looking for. Love your enemies. Don't despise them. Love your enemies, don't hate them. Love your enemies, don't argue with them. Love your enemies, don't kill them. All other religions, all other philosophies of life say love your friend and love your neighbor. Only Jesus says love your enemies. I don't know if you've been a Christian for 50 years. I don't know if you're a new Christian. I don't know if you're just investigating this Christian thing, if you're just trying to figure what Jesus is all about. This is what Jesus is all about. Love your enemies. It's what Jesus says to us as his followers. And it may be the most difficult command in all of Scripture, but it is also likely the most revolutionary command in all of Scripture. Love your enemies. It is revolutionary because it is so transformative. If we love our enemies the way that Jesus loved his enemies... We will look past people's opinions. We will look past people's public views. 
We will look past people's behaviors. We will look past people's political views. And we will place their needs above our own needs. It is exactly how Jesus loved. And it is a transformative love that changes not only us, but it will change the world around us. To be peaceable people, we need to love our enemies. And it seems like we have a lot of enemies. You may think your enemy is a person of a different race or color. Love your enemy. You may think your enemy is a person who is protesting. Love your enemy. You may think your enemy is a person who looks down upon you, who doesn't respect you, who doesn't treat you well because of your race or your color. Love your enemy. You may be a person who thinks your enemy is a person who has committed an act of violence against you. Love your enemy. And remember, these are Jesus' words. These are not my words. This is not my instruction to you. These are Jesus' words. To be peaceable. He instructs you and he instructs me to love our enemies. Which leads us to the second instruction. The second instruction is we need to bring the peace. Now, baseball coaches, they tell their pitchers to bring the heat. Jesus tells us, bring the peace. You see, we need to be peacemakers. In that same Sermon on the Mount that Yusef read, at the beginning of the sermon, look what Jesus says about peacemakers. Jesus says in that sermon, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. As followers of Jesus, we're supposed to bring the peace. We're supposed to be peacemakers. There's a story that's found in Jeremiah 29 that I think is really helpful. The year is 597 B.C. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has just conquered Jerusalem for a second time. The first time had happened eight years before when Nebuchadnezzar took a group of Israelites into exile in, into Babylon. And that group included Daniel and Daniel's friends. Now, for a second time, Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Jerusalem and brought more people into exile, into Babylon. Think about the humiliation. Think about the discouragement. Think about the marginalization of God's people. Not only conquered once and taken into exile, but conquered twice and taken into exile by a pagan king from a pagan country and not such nice pagans. Something God allows because of the Israelites' rebellion. God informs them that they're going to be 70 years in captivity in Babylon. The humiliation the discouragement, the marginalization, 
I'm sure all they wanted to do was argue, fight, rebel. Not everybody went to exile into Babylon. Some Israelites were left behind, and one of the Israelites that was left behind was the prophet Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 29, the prophet Jeremiah writes a letter. The letter is recorded in Jeremiah 29, and that letter was meant to be encouragement to the people who were in Babylon in exile. It was encouragement, and it was instruction. Let's look at part of that letter. This is what Jeremiah writes, chapter 29, verse 7. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I'm going to read that again. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is God's instruction to the people of Israel, to the people who are in captivity in Babylon, who have been promised 70 years in that captivity, who have faced and are facing humiliation, discouragement, and marginalization, and all they want to do, I know what they want to do, all they want to do is argue and fight and rebel, and God says, no, bring the peace. Seek the peace of the city in which I have carried you. Pray for that city. I know that you may be in a difficult situation right now. You may feel like you are in exile. It may be a result of COVID-19, stay-at-home orders, masks, no masks. It may be a job loss. It may be a financial difficulty that you're going through as a result of everything that is going on. It may be broken relationships. What should you do? You may be experiencing humiliation, discouragement, marginalization because of your race or your color. Something I may never be able to completely understand. But what should you do? You may have experienced loss because of riots or looting violence committed against you. What should you do? God's instruction is clear. But I know what you want to do. I know you want to argue. I know you want to fight. I know you want to rebel. I know you are thinking to yourself, there is no way that I can bring the peace. You, Tom, you don't know. You don't know what I have been through. 
You don't know what I have experienced. All I want to do is fight. All I want to do is argue. All I want to do is rebel. I get it. That is the point of Jeremiah 29. This is exactly what the people of Israel were facing. It is exactly what they were going through in captivity. The humiliation, the discouragement, the marginalization, the victimization. And God says to them, bring the peace. Pray for peace. What are you to do? If COVID-19 has caused you to feel like you are in exile, you are to bring the peace. If a situation of racism or prejudice and marginalization has affected you, you are to bring the peace. If you have been hurt as a result of violence, as a result of riots, as a result of looting, you are to bring the peace. And the interesting thing is God has tied your and my prosperity, our shalom, to bringing the peace and praying for the city that we live in. Do you understand what this means? This means, you see, here's the thing. The anger, the fighting, the rebellion does not lead to peace. It will not lead to your internal peace, and it will not lead to peace with the people that surround you. The anger, the fighting, the rebellion only lead to more anger, fighting, and rebellion. But when you seek the peace, when you bring the peace and you pray for the city, then God blesses the city and he blesses and gives you prosperity. So what should we do? We should pray for every single Babylonian in our lives. And I know they're not real Babylonians. You should pray for every single Babylonian in your life and you should pray for peace for this city, for this state, for this nation, and for this world because your peace and your prosperity depends on it. See, God's instruction is very clear to you and to me. We are to be peaceable people. That means that we need to love our enemies. We need to bring the peace into every situation in which we engage and we need to pray for our city so that there will be peace, blessing, and prosperity for us and for everyone else as well. If you're like me, you fall short. You maybe haven't been so successful at being peaceable. I haven't always been successful at being peaceable. In fact, it can be difficult for me. In this past week, in the last two weeks, I, as I've written this sermon, I've had to confess to the Lord my lack of peaceability my lack of understanding. You see, you have to understand that this message 
is a message to the racist and to the rioter. But to be honest and direct, there is some racist and some rioter in each one of us. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need his forgiveness. That's why we need his spirit to transform our hearts and our minds to make us more like him so that we can be people of peace, so that we can be peaceable, loving our enemies, bringing the peace, and praying for the city. My encouragement to you as I close, go to the Lord. Ask Jesus to forgive you for where you have fallen short. Seek after him in his peace and share it with others. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages